0: Welcome back to the United Podcast. it's Larry and I got a really interesting topic to raise a discussion about today. So, if you're not familiar, we are on YouTube, obviously that's where our primary content is made. But Tom and I made the decision that we would allow the podcast episodes to be something a little bit different. Something for your drive, your walk, something that is fit for audio only. Uh, So, that's the idea behind this. But before I rip into today's topic... Uh, make sure that you are leaving us a five-star review on whichever platform it is that you're on. So we're on Spotify, iTunes, Apple iPods, you name it, wherever you're listening to us, if you support us, please leave us a review. It takes you about 10 seconds and it really helps us a lot. We do appreciate it. So today's topic, Manchester United squad is at risk of being too old. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, This transfer window might actually prove to be really crucial, and I'm going to go into why. Who would you say is Manchester United's best player at the moment? Now, I'm going to pause for a second and allow you to think about that. Five, four, three. You've probably thought of who it is. You're probably saying Marcus Rashford, but a chunk of you are probably saying Casemiro. And another proportion of you might be actually saying it's Bruno Fernandes. A case might be made that Rafael Varane is crucial to Manchester United, if not their best player. All of these players have one thing in common. They're either at the peak of their powers or they're about to, in fact, be in the back end of their careers. Bruno Fernandes, 29 in October. Casemiro, 32 years old shortly. Rafael Varane, 30. Christian Eriksen, 31. The nucleus of the Manchester United squad is actually approaching the back end of its careers, of their careers. So, while the the notion has always been that United should build to the future, that this rebuild is going to be gradual under Eric Ten Hag, and we can get behind that to a certain extent. But the risk you run is, the players at their peak of their powers are soon going to need replacing. If I even go into the calibre of players below the three I've just mentioned, Luke Shaw, 28, uh Lissandra Martinez is 26. Um, in three years' time, he'll be 29, and so forth and so forth. United really do run a risk of, if you wait three years, that those player players at the peak of their powers might actually need replacing themselves. So if you wait three years, Bruno Fernandes will be 31, Casemiro will be 34, Rafael Varane will be 33 to 34. This is the problem. So United, while they need to have a very astute way of approaching the transfer windows in the coming years, which is understandable. There there is a need to recruit now. And the logic and the thought process and the way that I would propose you, you go about this is you have to strengthen the starting 11. If you go to replace depth players with more depth players, then you're not really addressing the root cause. The reason they say the best recruitment strategy is to replace your starting 11 is because you're actually driving competition. If you get someone as good as Casemiro, Casemiro has to maintain a level of performance to keep his starting spot. If you get someone who is comparable to Bruno Fernandez, Bruno Fernandes has to compete every day to maintain his starting spot. This is the, this is the law of the land and that's how people stay competitive. If, think of put it in a business sense. If you're a CEO, recruiting someone to be number two isn't going to challenge you every day. If you want to be the number one sprinter, if Usain Bolt is coming first every year, you're not going to surround him with children. You're going to surround him with people who are equally competing to be the best. This is what pushes the competition up. And that's why depth signings don't really work. You, you have to always aim to strengthen your 11. So the people who then sit on the bench believe that they're in a position to be starting. Now, of course, there, there is going to be... Uh, there is always going to be a little bit of room for a squad player. Of course there is. But those people won't be the nucleus of your squad. They, they'll be on the fringes and they will, by nature, just find themselves in those positions. Scott McTominay came through as a Manchester United player through the ranks in the academy. When he came in, no one really knew where his ceiling was. But as you've seen with the players that, as we bought the likes of Bruno Fernandes and Christian Eriksen, you can see that Scott McTominay is level. And then it's up to the player to really decide if he's going to be a squad player or not. But you find that squad players tend to find their position. It's not necessarily that you find a squad. So a player is not, never bought to be a squad player. That's quite rare, particularly at the successful teams. So then look at Manchester City jack realish 100 million pounds sometimes he finds himself on the bench phil foden's come through the academy now manchester city will tell you the most talented player to come through their academy he got three minutes in the fa cup final against manchester united they have depth now granted they pep guardiola gets to spend a lot of money but the point is, every time that they recruit players, they're buying players to replace the starting 11. And that's why Pep Guardiola has been able to keep Manchester City at the top of the Premier League table for nearly 10 years. Because he's constantly replacing players in the starting 11 or players who are capable of being in the starting 11. You've often heard when Manchester United lose to Manchester City, you'll hear the notion that, oh, well, the players on Manchester City's bench walk into Manchester United's starting 11. That's exactly the point. So. That is why United really need to be smart in the signings that they make here. Financial fair play restrictions or not. That's why Eric Ten Hag really needs to be back. Now, so far, I'm going to say that United are getting that right. We've seen David De Gea, 32 years old, leave the club. It looks like Andrea Nana will come in. Now that deal's not done yet, but assuming it does get done, you've just replaced a 32-year-old with a 27-year-old, and you've replaced a first-choice goalkeeper with another first-choice goalkeeper. That is how you do it. Mason Mount, 24 years of age, nearly 25. He replaces Ericsson, who is 31 years of age in the starting 11, or so you would assume. But nonetheless, a young player, a player who can come into the starting 11 right now. A good signing. But I make the point, United's positions that are not a primary focus will shortly become a primary focus. Bruno Fernandes, Casemiro, Rafael Varane, Marcus Rashford are probably the core of Manchester United's team. They're absolutely the spine because they literally go from the back to the top. So what do United do? How do you get this Right. We don't know yet, but this is where the transfer strategy is going to be really important. We've seen United mismanage that at times. We've seen them bring in poor players, but this is why they really need to get a lot right. If we're going to challenge Manchester City, a lot of these need to get right. But United cannot afford or ill afford to continue to build for a team in three years. They, they need a back 10 hog. I think this season might come too soon, but honestly, if we're serious, with new owners next season might be the one where United need to be in a position to challenge for titles. Otherwise, the likes of Bruno Casemiro will need replacing and then you've just made your job twice as hard because not only do you then need to replace those players, you then need to find people to compete with them.
1: So Larry and I couldn't get together at the pub this evening to um, record a bit of a chat, but I've just heard his two cents in and around that topic and the, sort of the, the age profile of the squad and sort of what that means moving forward, um, both individually and collectively for the club and Eric Ten Hag, etc. And I think it's an interesting topic and I just I think he approached it, and not, not right or wrong, but his approach was definitely sort of from the business side and how the squad keeps evolving and sort of how you do have to sort of monitor the situation in and around players' ages and what what it means for the performance what it means for their contracts etc looked at it very much from you know, the squad evolution side of things and the business approach to that sort of area of the club and i want to look at it from more so the the point of view of what we see on the pitch the the product we see on a saturday and the 90 minutes when we're watching the football and sort of how football has evolved and what the future of football does look like in regards to one of the old expressions it's the young man's game and you look in terms of sort of what players go for now, and sort of so much of the price tag is dependent on a player's age, um, how much they have left on their contract. But ultimately, what we see on a pitch, a football player's two arms, two legs. How good are they? How fast can they move? And obviously, a lot of that, unfortunately, just down to science, comes down to their age. And sort of, is, is it a young man's game, or do you rely on experience? And sort of, what do the best squads, the best teams, the best players? sort of all have in common so i think it'll be interesting just to just of have a bit of a look at the current makeup of our squad and is it actually sort of suited for success now um, do you need to be suited for success now or do you need to be suited to success in the future uh, and what sort of control a uh, manager like Eric Ten Hag has on that does he need to look for four or five years down the track in, in regards to setting himself up for future success or does he need to win tomorrow I think it's always in a fascinating angle in regards to the build-up of squads or the makeup of squads and who puts these squads together. I think we look back at Sir Alex Ferguson's time, and in terms of we all sit here and say a manager should have full control, and it worked so well for 26 years under Sir Alex Ferguson. But if you look around the grounds now and the way modern football is going. Unfortunately, you simply do need to sort of look past managers now and build a squad for if a manager inevitably does get the sack. Okay, what, squ- what shape is the squad in? Is, is that squad and is this group of players going to suit the next manager? So, so many sign-ins now. They do need to be done for the present. They do need to be done to achieve results now. But they also need to be done to suit the next manager and the manager after that. There does need to be this plan. So, managers like Eric Ten Hag... I sit here and say they need full control, of course, but if it goes wrong for Eric Ten Hag, which I don't see happening, if they, I do have full faith in him, but let's say a situation where he does fail and he gets the sack, you never know with Manchester United, what shape, is the new manager going to come in and like what Eric Ten Hag's squad is? It's one of those things where we've sort of fallen into the hole so many times. We've had a Louis van Gaal squad, then we had a Jose Mourinho squad, then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer squad, and that's sort of gone into Eric Ten Hag, and does that really suit Eric Ten Hag? Probably not, so there's been there's been no sort of belt. there's been no plan and that sort of isn't the recipe for success in modern in the modern game. But I also look at it and think managers shouldn't have to worry about five, ten years' time. They should have to worry about their match on a Saturday and what sort of enables them to achieve the best results. So it is a fine balance. So I want to look at one or two things in and around the age of whether the profile of the individuals themselves or the collective of the squad. And it will be interesting just to have a look because I don't think there is a right answer. I think there is a balance and I think obviously a lot is down to interpretation. And obviously, all you can look at at the moment is the best team in the world in regards to Manchester City. They've won the treble, so it's very easy and probably the right thing to do. What are they doing and um, what's providing success for them? So um, it be interesting to have a look. So do let us know your thoughts on any of the social media platforms. The makeup of Manchester United squad, what do you think the answer is moving forward in regards to the transfer, business, contracts, etc. Do let us know on all our socials. And um, yeah, just one or two um, quick points here. So as I said two or three minutes ago, is it a young man's game or or it is a young man's game? Depends how you look at it. And I think that's interesting in regards to if you look at the two best players in the world now, and obviously that's up for interpretation, but if you ask anyone who are the two best players in world football now, I think everyone unanimously would say Kylian Mbappe and Erling Haaland. Now, they're obviously, you look at the way they play, they're now different players, of course, but if you look at the way they play the game, first off, they're young, which obviously comes into this discussion, of course. They're young players, but in terms of the way they play, Extremely physical. Of the Erling Harlands his, his natural physicality in regards to the way he can bully people. But his physicality in regards to some of our, so much of his game, his pace and power, get him behind and simply no one, no one can sort of keep up with him. What makes him so dangerous? And if you look at the physicality of Kylian Mbappe, okay, it's not the physicality of a. Erling Haaland in regards to bullying people, but just simply the fact of the physicality of him running in terms of he's faster than everyone else. So it is really... a young man's game is a 35-year-old going to be running as fast as Kylian Mbappe. Look at Cristiano Ronaldo. He's probably one of the most powerful players over the last 15, 20 years of football. He simply doesn't have that now. Kylian Mbappe does. So I think that adds weight into it's a young man's game because I look back and football goes through phases, no doubt. I look back at probably... I was a good World Cup when I was growing up. You say probably the 2006 World Cup sort of comes to mind. When you look at some of the names there in regards to Kylian Mbappe stole the show at the last World Cup, of course, wearing that hat trick in the World Cup final. But if you look back, as I said, let's take 2006, for example, at the World Cup, even name the best players at that tournament. Uh, from my memory they're not players like a Kylian Mbappe or Erling Haaland now, the names that come to mind for the 2006 World Cup you're looking at players like obviously a defender but you're looking at Ricardo Carvalho was brilliant Philipp Lahm for Germany was a monster Miroslav Klose for Germany obviously a very different type of striker to Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe Probably I don't know if he's a player of the tournament, but Buffon, obviously one of the older goalkeepers at the time, Cannavaro was probably the best defender in the world. Did he win the Ballon d'Or that season? I'm not sure his name. His name game. Sorry, definitely wasn't sort of based around pace and power. Andrea Pirlo was brilliant in that tournament, winner for Italy. He's the furthest thing from pace and power in terms of the way he conducted, in my opinion, probably the person who stole the show of the 2006 World Cup, maybe for the wrong reasons, but um, Zinedine Zidane. He's literally the last game of his career, so definitely not a young man's game when you go through those names of the 2006 World Cup. And that, that, that was a very sort of prime era of football, I believe, in regards to those names. Now you fast forward 15 years, and the game has completely changed. So I'll just throw the question to you, um, everyone, in regards to, has the game moved on where we do need to look past players, not look past players, but in terms of really weighing up someone's value and put it down to, okay, they were great players, Zidane, Perlo, Cannavaro, Philip Lahm, etc., 15 years ago, but if we look what the best players are today, we're looking at um, Kylian Mbappe, Early in Harland, let's say Marcus Rusher is one of our best players at the moment. Now, not in, you look at his age, which Larry mentioned, maybe I would say getting on in age, but um, obviously he's not that spring chicken anymore. Pretty in terms of the, the way he plays the game, it's a very physical way of playing. Obviously, relies a lot on pace and a lot on power, and I think that is where the most exciting, that the most sort of impactful plays are now. So I think it does add weight into um, where modern football is going now. Is that going to change in 10 years? Possibly. Who knows? But um, the way science and, and the way sort of sports sports science is sort of leaning towards, um, that's only, only going to improve. And if athletes are going to get better, um, the sport is definitely going to take advantage of that. So um, I think that's interesting when we do look at footballers now in terms of is that something you need to, as I said, if a new man, if tenner argues to fail, a new manager is he going to want let's say a one matter or a Christian Eriksen or is he going to want that pacey powerful player that's obviously for interpretation of the manager but if you're betting on it if you're planning it for a future you probably have to do look to look at that younger player with that type of profile and if you look through Manchester United squad now in terms of those young players who are those young players coming through obviously in terms of that physicality of pace and power, you look at Alejandro Ganacho at the moment. Now, he's one player, now obviously a very sort of bright prospect. Um, who knows where the, what the future does hold for him, but okay, there's one player who else is coming through in that ilk. Uh, you're probably not there's probably not too many, um, to be honest. and That's not to criticize it, any of the other young players coming through. You look at his Artic, Bell I thought all of us look at him the yeah, yeah, a very good footballer. Is he really going to cut it at Manchester United? I think even when we did watch him pre-season this time last year, we thought, yeah, good player. We all wanted to see him given a chance. Of course we did. We we all knew deep down he wasn't good enough for Manchester United. We knew he wasn't going to make it, but we do have this hope as Manchester United fans of seeing these young players come through. We see Charlie Savage now. Okay, yeah, we all want to see Charlie Savage. Of course he's not going to make it. So I'm just thinking, and that's the furthest thing from criticising these players, but they're all really good footballers. But as I said, in terms of the two best players in the world at the moment, and we can't just judge all the football based on two players, but it's a good sort of a little bit of a barometer to look at. I'm just thinking, yeah, you do need to start looking at the physical traits of these players. And it's not so much the physical trait. It is that sort of that young man's game. It is the way the game is played now. There is obviously a huge tactical element. There is no doubt about that. But um, I just look at sort of the way the future is going. Um it's a very interesting look at it, in my opinion. So, I want to bring this back to Manchester United. And as I said, I said, name two fame or the two of the best players in the world at the moment. I think everyone has said Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe. But if I ask every Manchester United fan, I say, name one striker who you would bring in to help us win a Premier League title this season, I think pretty unanimously everyone would say Harry Kane. And I wouldn't disagree with that. It's, a, it's an opinion I do share. But we go back to the argument in regards to what players we should be bringing in and what type of business we should be doing in and around sort of the age profile of these players. And I think as we all here, sit here and agree that Harry Kane is the answer, if we look at it from a business point of view and sort of the, the future of a footballing squad, the, the future of Manchester United. It flies in the face of everything I think we're looking at in regards to what position is a Harry Kane signing going to put us in in three or four years' time. Now, who needs to take control here? Does Eric Ten Hag need to take control and what's best for season 22-23? Or does the club need to take control and think what's best for the next three or four years? And also, if you look at the physical traits of a Harry Kane, while I think he is a brilliant footballer, and has probably the best striker in my opinion, and I, I say this fully agreeing that Harry Kane needs to be our striker next season but in terms of what Eric Ten Hag wants and the way modern football is going in regards to that young energetic high pressing not to say Harry Kane doesn't have that pressing ability but obviously that's going to fade over a year over the two years over the next three years that is definitely going to fade away so you look at what Eric Ten Hag wants and the way he sort of wants this high press this high energetic system is Harry Kane going to be able to provide that for two or three years I think if you bring him in for a hundred million pound he's going to be playing for two or three years you can't have You can't go buy a striker next season for $50 and he's going to challenge Harry Kane. No, Harry Kane's going to be your main man. So I'm just thinking, I think this is the right signing. But how does this hamper future business and the future correct business? I think it's very interesting because the priority for us this season is a striker. We need goals. We need success and what's going to bring success is goals. And I think Harry Kane is that answer. But in terms of, as I said, we do need to look to the future and there is a very strong case in terms of the trajectory modern football is on. That £100 million on Harry Kane in 2022, 2023 is simply not the answer for success in three or four years' time. And I just ask you the question, what's more important? Is at the title of this season, which I'm all aboard? But also, we do need to look at the sort of the future of the club and, and what position that does put us in. We've done this dance so many times with other high-profile signings in regards to come in and hit the ground running and prove successful. But if that doesn't happen, what position does that leave us in? Are we going to have this hundred million pound player who we're going to have to play because he's Harry Kane? And again, I say this in wanting Harry Kane, but it's just a very sort of precarious position we put ourselves in if it doesn't prove successful then you can obviously then look at it from the flip side, okay, steer away from the Harry Kane signing, let's go for that young up-and-coming and sign. let's say it's a Hoyland or a Ozyman or whatever, are they going to guarantee you goals? Now they very well might do, but they very well might not, and I just think that that is the that, that is the risk, obviously only going to Solskjaer's sort of famous line in regards to fine margins, Um, he's completely right. I'm not sure what the correct answer is, um, it's a balancing act, and um, That is where I'm not sure who should hold the power. I think there's valid arguments for both. But who should have the deciding factor or the most influence in this decision? Should it be Eric Ten Hag for this season and providing results this season? Or is it for the club's approach or the club's vision to sort of what is the best for Manchester United? Not just this year, but in two, three, four, five years' time. Um, It's a tricky one. So I just want to finish up in regards to the make-up of the squad this season and sort of what is the answer. Now, there is no right or wrong answer. Um, obviously, Eriton, fingers crossed he does have the answer, but then we won't know that until um, this time next season and how many trophies we did win. But I think it's always interesting in terms of any Manchester United fan, we obviously always look at our great teams and we're brought up on fast attacking players and we obviously have a great... Sort of respect and great sort of desire To see sort of young players come through the academy And provide that sort of youthful exuberance Throughout the squad, no doubt But even in our most most exciting and most successful teams Which did have that sort of flavour of youth throughout it it also had great experience. You look at Alan Hansen, get gets so much dick for that quote saying, You'll never win anything with kids. Well, Paul Scholes is completely right in saying, Alan Hansen was right, you don't win anything with kids. What that squad of David Beckham, Nicky Butt, the Nevilles, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, etc., all had around them, what did they have around them? They had a great experience in Roy Keane. Eric Cantona, Peter Schmeichel sort of thing. So that team was filled with experience, and that is why they won the title. They didn't win the title for those young kids. They won because they had great experience. So I look at this current squad now, and as Larry mentioned, some of the names before you, Bruno Fernandes, Casemiro, Rafael Varane, great experience throughout that squad. But we also, as I've sort of alluded to in regards to what the modern game needs and what is prov- what is proven successful in the modern game, is a sort of a youthful approach and you do need that energy especially in the way Eric Ten Hag plays football it's obviously highly sort of demanding physically on the players and you do need those young legs and I'm just thinking it obviously does need to find a balance you can't have 11 Garnachos or you can't have 11 Casimiros there does need to be a balance but I'm not sure where that is in regards to sort of finding the perfect mix because I also look at it and think yes we do need these young players coming through not just for now in regards to what we need on the pitch in regards to legs and energy But also in regards to the makeup as a squad, as I've alluded to from a business sense, you do need sort of that succession plan. But I also look in terms of these young players now, the weight of the shirt at Manchester United, that is where I'm hesitant to sort of fill a team with young players in regards to we could have all these players. Can they deal with the Manchester United shirt? And unfortunately, not many can. And now that is why when a a young player does come through or any player does come through and they succeed at Manchester United, it is so special. Because unfortunately, so many players do come through the door. But not too many actually prove successful, and that's unfortunate. You wish everyone everyone was to. but that is why we fall so in love with our greats because it is so rare. So I just look at all these young players come through, and yes, we do need their physical traits. We do need how good a footballer they are, but mentally, are they right? And that is where you do need that experience. Now, that the answer to that is definitely not having eleven sort of vastly experienced players, because obviously you're going to be far too slow getting around the pitch. So there is a fine balance, but. Um, I'm not sure where that is in terms of. I do look at the makeup of the squad now, and as Larry alluded to, our best players Bruno Fernandes, Casemiro, Rafael Varane, etc. Not old, not old. Well, you could argue maybe one or two are potentially sort of near in the older category. And I'm just thinking they're great to have, but should our best players be that little bit younger? I think they are very good signings in regards to Mason Mount potentially upgrading on Christian Eriksen, both um, as a footballer but also in the age profile. You look at the goalkeeping situation in regards to the modern game. Onana is probably an upgrade and definitely an upgrade age-wise on David de Gea. So potentially one or two good signings there, but can they deal with the weight of a Manchester United shirt? We know David de Gea can, Christian Eriksen uh, I believe can as well. Can Onana and can Mason Mount? Fingers crossed they can, but we don't have that answer yet. So it is a balancing act, and um, again, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I think it's um, always a prevalent discussion for Manchester United fans because we are built on sort of, as the sort of saying goes, youth, courage, and success. Well, we do have a great demand and desire to have these young players in the squad, but obviously, in terms of the weight of the shirt that is Manchester United, it does weigh heavy. And I'm just thinking, we do need great experience, but if we're bringing in 100 million pound experience of Harry Kane, what position does that really put us in? If, if success doesn't come this season, I think it's almost a waste of money. So is it too big a risk to go and spend that? Does it need to be spent elsewhere? I'm not sure, but it's a very interesting debate. Um, as I said, Larry and I couldn't meet at the pub today, unfortunately, so I just put our two cents each in um, here for you to have a little bit of a listen to on your way to work or your way home from work. Hopefully you did enjoy that. Um, as said, um, please do leave a like or review or whatever rating your podcast app does allow, no doubt. We definitely do appreciate that. And if you do want a bit of a visual on YouTube, head over to the United Podcast on YouTube and subscribe. That would be great. And um, we'll be back with you next Tuesday morning, um, Sydney time. Until then, have a good one and chat to you soon. Cheers.